Proverbs chapter 3. <clears throat> if you know your Bible at all, you might know what verse I'm going to go to. Verse, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. But just like this morning, we're not going to stay there. It's going to be a, a spot to, to jump from. Um, but have you ever had something in your life, maybe a series of events that seem to be timed perfectly? Hopefully you have. Hopefully you're not full of, your whole life's not bad timing. Um, but sometimes things seem to be timed perfectly, and, and it couldn't be better. Uh, I remember in 2006, uh, I, was, I was just finishing, I, I believe I, my timeline could be wrong, but I think I was just finishing my sophomore year in college, and I was a missions uh, major, so part of the uh, missions program there at the college was you had to take a missions trip at some point in those four years. You had to take a missions trip to graduate. Uh, it was part of <clears throat> the, the, the course. And so I went to Mongolia at the time. I, I really felt uh, the leading of God to, to go into missions, and I thought it was going to be Mongolia. Um, and it was, a it was a great trip, but after that trip, God made it very clear to me, you're not supposed to be there. And then as I prayed more about it, you're not supposed to be in missions. Um, I think it was God's way of, of getting me to Bible college and teaching me, getting me to go through some training so that I could be used uh, later. Uh, for his for his service but at the time 2006 I went to Mongolia and I don't know if it was reverse jet lag or something you get jet lag and I'll tell you about that in a second if, if you've never had it but it felt like reverse jet lag I got there and everything just seemed to fall into place perfect like I, I can't even describe it but it was everything happened perfect I had to take a taxi ride the guy said the missionary told me you know you're gonna need, you're gonna need to meet this guy at this time if you're not there he will leave and everything was just perfect. He showed up, took me to the trip. He said, don't let them fool you either. They'll take you around the city and make you pay for it. I'll make, take the long way. He took me straight. Everything was perfect. And then sometimes uh, we have things that aren't timed perfectly. And I felt that when I got back from Mongolia. It felt like I was outside looking at my body going through life. I was so discombobulated. But um, I want to talk tonight about God's perfect timing or um, maybe maybe got the providence of God is, is a better title because I think providence more fully encapsulates that timing is not necessarily the providence of God providence of God is God moving things in an order uh, <clears throat> to make it I'll, I'll give you the definition of providence providence is the sovereign divine superintendence of all things guiding them toward their divinely predetermined end in a way that is consistent with their created nature, all to the glory and praise of God. This divine, sovereign, and benevolent control of all things by God is the underlying premise of everything that is taught in the scriptures. That's a lot, lot bigger than timing, right? This is God leading in a, in a way that's consistent with whoever that person uh, their created nature, what he created them to be, he leads them and guides them. And uh, <clears throat> so I want to give you uh, just a few thoughts on this and then a couple, a couple of illustrations from the Bible about how we can see God uh, working uh, his providence through uh, the lives of some of, the, some of the, the characters in the Bible, including his son, Jesus Christ, and the prophecies that, that came from that. Um, I'm going to give you a story about uh, terrible timing. And I think, well, Sarah's gone now. But we knocked on a door, and I may have told a few of you this uh, before. 
But we knocked on a door, and this guy came to the door, and he stumbled up to the door when we were out soloing. He stumbled up to the door kind of like he was drunk. And I thought, oh, boy, here we go. But he talked normal. He wasn't slurring his speech or anything. He was just kind of off, a little bit off, stumbling around. And he answered the door, and we introduced ourselves, and he said, I apologize if I look like I'm drunk. I feel like it a little bit. He said, I have a concussion. It's, it's been three months. I'm a, I'm a general contractor. I work my, for myself. And he said, uh, I haven't been able to work in three months. I said, man, what happened? He said, I was at my son's baseball game, and they were destroying this team. So he said, I told my son in between one of the innings, hey, I'm going to run and hit this estimate real, real quick. I'll meet you back at home. It was in the evening. So the guy walked around the field to go to his car, and somebody hit a home run and beamed him right in the head. That's terrible timing, right? Um, but I, we met that guy, and I felt, I felt bad for him. It had been three months. But God, the providence of God, is working in our lives to, to his expected end. And the more important thing there is to his glory and praise. Uh, so Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, we're going to read these and then pray, and then we'll uh, jump into the message. But it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. We learn these verses as little kids, and we, and we memorize them, and we say them so often we don't even really think about the words. Oh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding, right? But think about what it's saying. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and don't lean on your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, he shall direct thy paths. That's what I want to talk about tonight. The providence of God is a good thing in our lives. It's a, it's a really good thing, him leading us to his expected end uh, for us. Let's pray, and then we'll get into it. Father, I thank you for this day you've given us. God, I thank you for your people that have come back to your house. God, I pray that you would bless them for their faithfulness, and I pray that you would uh, give us from your word what you have for us tonight. God, I pray that you would uh, just uh, organize my thoughts in a way that uh, your people can understand the message that's trying to be uh, conveyed. And I pray that you would uh, just be with our pastor and Miss Becca as they're in Israel. God, I pray that you'd protect them, give them just a, a, a great time there with fellowship of other like-minded believers, but also a, a time of rest and, and recuperation and bring them back here uh, safely and ready to uh, serve you here. I pray that you give us a good night in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, you know the story of Providence, Rhode Island, and this is what I say. I'm going to give you some thoughts here. We're going to um, uh, talk about a few different things, give you a few points, and then we'll give a couple examples in the Bible, and then, and then we'll be done. But uh, Providence, Rhode Island was started by Roger Williams, right? But the story behind that is in, in so a, definite, a description of Roger Williams. He was a Reformed Baptist theologian and a religious exile from the Massachusetts Bay Colony. He named the area in honor of God's merciful, merciful providence uh, and so on. But he was, he was a, a preacher in the Massachusetts Bay Colony. Um, but because he wanted freedom of religion, separation of church and state, the rest of that, they, they kicked him out of the colony. Well, where does one go when you, the people you came over with kick you out of their, their comfort zone, their community? He had no place to go. And this is what he says about... Uh, this is the winter of 1635-1636. He said, I was sorely tossed for, for one 14 weeks. I was sorely tossed for one 14 weeks in a bitter winter season, not knowing what bed or bread did mean. 14 weeks in the winter, he, he wandered. And you've got to think, 
There's Indians, you know, all the rest of that. This is an uncivilized uh, country that they came over to, and he's, he's out on his own. But what happened is um, he, he, it was a very, very cold winter. He ends up meeting uh, Chief Massasoit, probably recognize that name, Chief Massasoit of the uh, Wampanoag in, hunt, Indians. Uh, and I don't know if I'm saying that right or not. But anyways, he meets him. This guy takes him into his house. And, and protects him for that, the rest of that winter. And then when they were done, they wanted to um, trade with the English settlers. And so they, they told him, for this land, you'll give us trading rights with all the goods that you get from England. They agreed on that, and he was given what is now called Rhode Island. And he called it Providence, Rhode Island. And he says this about, um, about that, that land that he was given. I can get this to work. Um, he says, this is, he, he gives a very, very uh, specific reason why he named it uh, Providence. He said, having made covenant, covenant of peaceable neighborhood with all the natives round about us and having in a sense of God's merciful providence unto me in my distress, I called the place Providence and I di- desired that it might be a f- shelter for persons distressed for conscience. What he's talking about is, you know, out of conscience, he couldn't, agree with this uh, church being run by the state and, and vice versa. So he says that he called it Providence and it was a shelter for, for all these others that believed the same way he did. Uh, the point is, so many things had to work in, in conjunction for, for this to happen. And, and that is God's providence. That wasn't uh, Roger Williams making things happen. And the reason I'm talking about this tonight is is I, I think sometimes we get into situations in our lives where we're just going to make it happen, and maybe it's not God's will for us. Uh, think about, and I, I was going to get to this later, but I, I'll say it right now. Think about the situation that, that, the, that humanity was in because of our sin, and we needed a Messiah, right? Why did, God not, why did he wait so long to send his Messiah? Well, we see it in the Word of God. All these different prophecies about his son, his, this Messiah, had to come true before uh, he, w- he could send him. Now, the uh, Bible says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, when the fullness of the time had come. What the reason was, we don't know. But God had a very specific time and a very specific place. Uh, a very specific uh, people had to be in power to get them to Bethlehem. All of those things, the providence of God working it out for that specific, uh, those specific people, Mary, Joseph, all the rest of them, to, to their, what they were created for. God had to work those things out. So there is no such thing as chance, and I hope you believe that. Um, have you ever heard someone say everything happens for a reason? I hear it all the time. Even when something bad at work goes, happens, I'll hear guys that are unsaved, unchurched, say, Hey, it's fine. Everything happens for a reason. But if you take that, if you, if you flush that out, if everything happens for a reason, something or someone must be the one making the reason for it, right? There has to be a person that has a reason for why that is happening. So I do believe everything happens for a reason, but for a different, uh, because of a different belief. As Christians, we know that everything happens for a reason because the personal Triune God has created all things and has a plan for everything that happens. 
He is sovereign over all such that even a sparrow, Matthew chapter 10, verse 29, cannot fall to the ground apart from his will. And he says that. Uh, Matthew 10, 29, are not two sparrows sold for a farthing and one of them shall not fall to the ground, fall on the ground without your father. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, in whom also we have, tamed, have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Everything he does is because he is, this is the will he has for us, for a group of people, for a church, whatever it is. He works all things after the counsel of his own will. He's not worried about what you want, per se. It's, it's for the counsel of his own will, the, what he wants to happen. So I think that every person that would claim, them, claim to be a Christian, um, and, and this is the first point, no, so, there is no such thing as chance. I think all Christians believe that uh, when it comes to kings or governments or, or uh, big things like that, uh, wars, uh, uh, natural disasters. I think every, every Christian would say that God's in control of that. God knows what's going on. He has a purpose for that. But the biblical doctrine of providence, um, we don't limit God's control to only the major things of history. It's, uh, we're talking about even the smallest things. If you know this name, Dr. R.C. Sproul uh, used to say this, there is not one maverick molecule in all creation operating outside the sovereign control and direction of the Lord. He says there can't be. For if the tiniest thing were to go astray, the cascading effects could change everything. There is no such thing as chance, he says. And I want you to, I want you to turn to, um, to Isaiah chapter 45. We're going to get there in a second. We're going to turn to Isaiah chapter 45 because we're going to read a few verses from there. But... Uh, while you're going there, I got a few other verses. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. So providence then is not just that he created all things, and, but that he, and he is sustaining and governing and directing all things, his entire creation. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 6. Thou, even thou art Lord alone, thou hast made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts, the earth, and all things that are therein, the seas and all that is therein. And thou preservest them all, and the host of heaven worshipeth thee. Thou preservest them all. We don't, man, I got lucky. I left the house three minutes late, and I found out there was an accident that happened three minutes before I'm normally at the place. That's not chance. That's God directing our lives and preserving his people, his creation. Uh, I wrote this down. If the Lord was to stop sustaining the existence of the world, everything including us, would immediately vanish into nothingness. And I believe that. I believe um, if you look back on history and you look at any big event, so many things, if you really take them out to their extent, so many things have to fall in place. So many, I mean, even, even leaders that would never have been in existence had, you know, 30 years earlier, those two parents not gotten together and had that child. And years before that, certain, certain uh, I, I think of it all the time, my parents met at, well, they didn't meet at Bible college. They met again at Bible college. But my grandfather is a, was a preacher, is a preacher. He had a church, or he was in Bible college in Minnesota where my dad grew up. My mom would never have met my dad had they not gone to Bible college. Had a preacher in Minnesota not uh, come to my, my, my grandparents' house and invited my dad to church, who had been in church before but was kind of rebellious, and 
said, you know, you need to come back. We're having revival services. He went back to that, got his heart right, decided to go to Bible college. All those things, have, those aren't chance. That's God orchestrating. And no man can orchestrate like God can. It's not chance. Jan, Daniel chapter uh, 2, verse 21, God, God, the Bible says that God removes kings and sets up kings. So if we believe that, then go to Isaiah chapter 45, uh, you should be there by now. Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 1. And this is very interesting. This is, this is what I'm saying. These are just a few thoughts that I want to I pull out of the Bible to, to bring to our attention because this is how God works in our lives too. It says this in verse 1. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus. It's not... I'll put it this way. People with the gift of prophecy now, you'll never see them put names out there. You know why? Because it's a lot easier to put a generic statement out there and say, this is, this is prophecy. This is prophecy here. And he names Cyrus. Cyrus was 200 years from even being born. He says, thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden, to subdue nations before him. I will loose the loins of kings open before him the two-leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. And on and on, look at verse 7. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Interesting there, I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Look at verse 12. I have made the earth and created man upon it. I, even my hands, have stretched out the heavens, and all their hosts have I commanded. There's that commanded, that's the word we're looking for again. He orchestrates it. He tells his creation what to do and when to do it. And whether we submit, we talked about this this morning, every knee will bow. Whether we, we submit to it or not, um, it will happen. Look at Pharaoh. Was Pharaoh submitted to God? Was he surrendered? Absolutely not. He didn't think he was. But he, God used him to free the Israelites, right? So even, even those that as we talk about this morning, morning, rage against God. They're in his plan, and he's using them, whether they like it or know it or not. Um, but think about this, okay? So I, I actually stole this from somebody, so I'm going to kind of read through it. Uh, it says, um, okay, so with Cyrus. Of course, for this to happen, a vast number of events and decisions had to go in a particular way for Cyrus to become leader of Persia and rule in such a way that the Jews could go home. First, the Jews had to have been exiled to Babylon. You think that was a good thing for the Jews? No, they hated it. But it had to happen for Cyrus to fulfill God's will uh, in, in his people's lives. But this can only happen if Babylon conquers the seemingly all-powerful Assyrian Empire, the reigning world power in Isaiah's day. Remember, Isaiah made this prophecy. Isaiah doesn't have any idea how in the world Persia is going to come into power. But that's the prophecy God gave him. So the Assyrians, or Babylon, had to conquer Assyria. But Babylon only does this if the Assyrian emperors make a number of poor decisions and the Babylonians become more effective than Assyria on the battlefield. For this to happen, the right strategists have to come to prominence in Babylon, and the Assyrian king will have to follow poor counselors or make bad decisions on their own. But you cannot have the right strategist in Babylon without those strategists receiving the right education and experience um, 
and you can't have them receive the right education experience without their families having been formed by the right marriage decisions and so forth. So you understand what he's saying. For this to happen 200 years later, the Assyrians had to go down, the Babylonians had to rise to power, they had to have certain people uh, giving them counsel and, and advice for those things to happen, and then for, for those counselors to be there to give bad advice, they had to be educated and have experience that the king would even put them in, in that position. Uh, it's on and on. Man cannot make that happen. Isaiah or his followers or people that followed Christ couldn't be like, man, Isaiah called out Cyrus. We got to make this happen. This is God that makes these things happen. Um, and there's a whole lot more uh, that this guy goes on and on about. And it's very, very interesting. But then at the very end, he says that again. Now it makes sense. Dr. Sproul saying not, there's not one maverick molecule. There's not one molecule in creation that does what it wants. God controls everything. And it's, and it's sometimes, uh, I've heard this before. Whether you agree with this or not, uh, don't, don't, I'm not the pastor. I'm just a guest speaker, so don't, don't come after me. But I heard, I've heard preachers say this before. Uh, when, you, when you preach that God has a specific will for someone's life, you're saying that if they get outside of that will and marry someone that's not uh, who they were supposed to marry, now there's kids existing that shouldn't even be there. I don't believe that. I believe that sometimes we do get outside of God's will, and even then God uses us. Um, he, he knew before we made those decisions that those decisions were going to be made. You have to believe that. Uh, or else you're saying that, whoops, it caught God by surprise. He didn't know. And that's not the case. Nothing happens by chance. God is orchestrating all of it. Uh, now, uh, I want to talk about this. Providence, God's providence in and through us, and that kind of is exactly what I'm saying. We still have a will of our own, that God knew those decisions that we were going to make. And so even if it's not exactly what he wanted for us, he still uses that decision for his purpose, for his will. He uh, doesn't, and, and don't confuse it with ah, they made that bad decision. Let me, let me reorchestrate everything. He knew that was going to happen, and he's orchestrating it even though you are making bad decisions. Sometimes God, uh, uh, a pastor, will say, you know, he, he says in his mind's eye, you know, we'll get to heaven, he thinks, and, and see all these things on the shelves that God wanted for us to do, but we wouldn't surrender or whatever, and, and I, had, I had this person for you to see saved. Does that mean that God, that, that person, they don't get saved? Maybe, but I think that God goes, all right, he's not going to do it. I'm going I'm to have this person do it. But it's not a, a reaction. It's a, that guy's not going to make that, that, he's not going to make that decision. He's not going to follow the, the will of the Holy Spirit and go tell that person, I'm going to put somebody else in there to do it as well. Um, anyways, I don't want to uh, get too bogged down with that, but it's very important to know that, or to believe that God is orchestrating everything. And so... God working in and through us, I think a perfect example of that is the story of Joseph. Um, go to Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. And we know the story of Joseph. Uh, he was a, a good kid, his father's favorite, gave him a coat of many colors. He goes out to uh, give supplies and, and refreshment to his brothers. And what happens? He gets thrown in the pit, sold to slavery. That wasn't Joseph's plan. And that certainly wasn't his father's plan. 
Look at Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20. After everything that happens, Joseph is sold into slavery. He rises uh, to, well, he goes through all, he goes through jail. Remember, he's in prison and he, he has these, uh, uh, gives the answer to these dreams. And finally, he's brought before Pharaoh. He gives Pharaoh his dream, what his dream means. And Pharaoh puts him as second in command. And then he's, he's, he's literally saving the children of Israel by, by planting and, and harvesting and all the rest of that because his, uh, Israel's children, Jacob's children, come and get this food. Um, but verse 50, chapter 50, verse 20, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. That's, that's God's providence. You, you did this to Joseph. God had that all in his plan. And, and he uses these wicked brothers to, to fulfill his plan. Um, so um, everything happened for a reason. And, I, and this, we're not going to be long tonight. I have a few illustrations of God's timing. I think these, some of these are just, just so interesting. And, and uh, I'll get right into it. So turn to, let's see, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 23. And keep your finger there, but also go to Genesis chapter 38, okay? I panicked there for a second. I'm in numbers, and I was like, there's not 38 chapters. I know there's 38 chapters in Genesis. Genesis 38. And also Deuteronomy chapter 23. So go to, so look at uh, look at Genesis thirty eight first. Let's see, um, verse fifteen. All right, if you know this story, Judah's three sons, uh, Tamar is married to one of Judah's sons. He dies, but he doesn't give her any children. And law or custom back then was a brother would, would marry her so that they could have their name carried on. Well, his long story, finally, uh, Judah is mad. Verse 15, when Judah saw her, he thought her to be an harlot. This is Tamar, because she had covered her face. And he turned unto her by the way go, and said, Go to, I pray thee, let me come in unto thee. For he knew not that she was his daughter-in-law. And she said, Will, What wilt thou give me? Thou mayest come in unto me. We know the story. He gives her his, his staff and the rest of that. And she wants that for proof that this was Judah, uh, that this happened to. Now, look at, look at Deuteronomy. So, so we know this, this story, and Judah and Tamar end up having a child, right? Deuteronomy chapter 23 and verse 2. It says, a bastard, an illegitimate child, shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord, even to his tenth generation shall he not enter into the congregation of the Lord. All right? So for ten generations after an illegitimate child, that's what happened here. Judah and Tamar have an illegitimate child. For ten generations, uh, they shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord forever. Now, First Samuel chapter 8 and verse 4. Let's go there.
It says, then all the elders, 1 Samuel 8, 4, then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah and said unto him, Behold, thou art old and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. They want a king, right? Ruth chapter 4 gives, and Matthew chapter 1 gives us the, um, the uh, descendants of, of Judah and Tamar, and that son's name was Perez, okay? So you have Perez or Perez or however you want to say it. If you follow these, these, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Genealogy. <laughs> all I could think of was nationalities. I'm like, I know that's not it. If you follow this genealogy all the way through in Matthew chapter 1 and Ruth chapter 4, you will find that David, King David, is the 10th generation from Judah. Why is that interesting? What happens when, when a king uh, rules? Does he rule just for his lifetime and then that's it? They're out? No, he passes it on to his firstborn son, right? And he becomes the king. Saul was not supposed to be the king. I believe, and I could be completely wrong, I'll, I may find out later, I believe that God was going to give them a king anyways in King David. They were one generation early. We want a king. Why do you think Saul was such a bad king? He wasn't. I'm not saying, and this is what I mean. I'm not saying that, oh, God messed up. But he gave them what they asked for, but he was not supposed to be in that spot. He was waiting for David, and they jumped the gun on God's timing. That's my point here. They decided, we're going to make it happen. And uh, I believe even Samuel was going, uh, I don't think we're supposed to have a king. And, and God said, you know what, give them what they want. Uh, I already moved on from that passage, but it's there uh, in, in 1 Samuel 8. Give them what they want. Give them what the people want. They get Saul, and he's okay for a while, but look at, look at the mess he made of Israel when they, they were one generation early because you have Perez, Hezron, Ram, Aminadab, Nashon, Salmon, Boaz, Obed, Jesse, and David. Saul's line was never supposed to be king, and David, in his line, was supposed to bring the Messiah, right? And I, I must not have wrote the verse down, but uh, I'm pretty sure I did somewhere. But there's a verse that talks about the root of Jesse. It's another, another very specific prophecy. Jesse wasn't alive yet. The Bible talks about the root of Jesse bringing forth this Messiah. That's, that's Jesse's household. That's David. I think it's, that's just one example uh, of, of God's timing, his providence. I think it's very interesting um, how... how the children of Israel jumped the gun on God, and he gave them what they wanted, but it, they had a miserable time because of it uh, if they had just waited for David. And then, and then a second example I want to give us, and we'll be done in just a few minutes. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. Go there. I already mentioned this verse. But I, I would like you to, this week, maybe for in your devotion time or something, meditate on this story. And what I mean by that is think, think through about Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 simply says, But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And this is what I would, I would say to meditate on. Think of all the, the decisions, the, the things that had to fall in place for this to happen at this specific time. Even just go through the New Testament. Uh, or, or go through some of the prophecies. These were all leading up to this, and the fullness of the time had come. 
uh, that God was going to send his son to be born of a woman. Um, just, just, it's amazing when you stop and think about it. Um, and I won't go into all of that. So I'm going to conclude with just a few thoughts here. Okay. Uh, all of this, all of what we talked about to say, we must trust that our God is good and right. He loves his children and he's working everything in each one of our lives for a very specific purpose. That's what providence is. Do we believe that or do we not? And when we get depressed, discouraged, I'm not saying we're human, we can't have those things, but when we get discouraged and anxious and worried, we're proving that we don't truly believe that even if we say it. Because if we believe that a good God, a righteous God, loving his children, lets everything happen for a specific purpose, what is there to worry about? We kind of mentioned that this morning. What is there to worry about? And I know we're human, <clears throat> and all the preaching in the world doesn't change us having times of worry or times of melancholy or, or discouragement. But if we think about that, uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths, Th then the providence of God is not just, well, he knows, it's ha he knows what's going on. He's got a reason for it. It's he's going to direct you in his will for your life. And that requires a couple things, but one of the very important things it requires is surrendering our lives uh, to, him, <clears throat> to him. Let him lead us in our lives. Uh, and I wrote these, these last two things. Be encouraged. He waited several thousand years to send his son as he lined everything up to fill every prophecy about his, his son. We should be excited and relieved to know we don't have to worry our lives away. Let God work our lives out. Let him lead us. Let him put things in play. Uh, it's, it's human nature, and that doesn't mean when he says, be still and know that I am God, it does, we know this. It doesn't mean, well, I'm just going to sit on the couch and watch TV and let him figure it out. We've got to be moving as best we know in his will, but let him work our lives out. Don't constantly be planning and scheming like the children of Israel did. We got to have a king. You're old and your sons aren't walking after God. We need a king to lead us. All right, fine, you can have a king. They planned and schemed and figured it out, got what they wanted, and then they were miserable for Saul's whole, uh, Saul's whole reign until they finally got David, a man after God's own heart. To, to bring the Messiah uh, through his line. Anyway, just a few thoughts, nice and short. And, uh, but think about that as you go through your week. The timing, or more, maybe more accurately, the providence of God working in and through uh, our lives. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the stay you've given us. God, I thank you for a time we can be in your house. And God, I know so often uh, we say that, but we truly are thankful that we have the freedom and uh, the ability to be here in your house and hear from you uh, today. God, I pray even uh, as we turn to many different passages, it's, it's not the words of the, of the preacher, it's the message that you want to give to your people, and I pray that that would have happened today. Pray that you would give us a good week as we go from here, and uh, God, that you would uh, protect us, that you would lead us, that we would push worry and anxiety and fear and all those things out of our hearts and minds and just let you lead us and uh, as we saw there in proverbs now that, that we would let you direct our paths and just see what you can work out in our lives and I, I i pray that for my life and for my family and for all of all of my friends here god that you would uh 
we know you'll lead us. I pray that we would let you, that we would surrender our hearts to you and see what you'll do with us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Go ahead.